0: and welcome to this, the ninth episode of x band the Phantom Podcast. Today things are going to be a little bit different as Jermaine has been uh, called away from the podcast by family responsibilities. He's unable to record today, so it's just going to be me for this episode. Um, So due to that, I'm going to be a little bit self-indulgent, and as the title of the episode suggests, this episode is going to be dedicated to Phantom 2040, or Phantom 2040, however you like to pronounce it. Uh, the TV series um, that was released in 1994. Uh, if you've been a member of Chronicle Chambers Forms or visiting the site for a, for the last couple of years, you'll know I'm a huge 2040 fan. I absolutely love the show. And um, the video game is one of my favourite games. So, yeah, this is a bit, of, um, a bit of an indulgence for myself, but I know there are some people out there that haven't seen 2040 or don't have much experience with it. So I hope you guys find it. Interesting as well. Uh, Just before we get into that, a little bit of housekeeping. Jermaine and I have discussed the length of the episodes. Some people have said that some of the episodes are a bit long, as they go to um, you know about an hour and a half in some cases. So what we're going to do is we're going to try and keep the episodes around the hour mark. Um, In order to do that, we're going to instead of have Uh, the usual layout that we've had where we talk about fan News, and then have a special topic that we discuss, and then finish off with uh, issue discussion, we're going to split those two things, so we're going to have special episodes like this one that focus on a certain topic, and then we're also going to do episodes in which we discuss both news and new comics in the one episode, so there's going to be basically two kinds of episodes, special topic episodes, and then News slash comic episodes, which uh, will mean that our output of episodes per month will probably rise a little bit. We've generally been doing one episode a month um, just because of our schedules and stuff. We're going to try and do it uh, two episodes a month now to um, incorporate that that new play layout. So, yeah, let us know what you think of it um, once that starts, which should be next episode. Okay. So let's get into Phantom 2040. So Phantom 2040, which uh, which debuted on September 18th, 1994, and ran until uh, March 3rd, 1996, is an animated series that's a modernization or a futurization of the Phantom, set obviously in the year uh, 2040. The Phantom in the series is supposed to be the 24th Phantom. And he has an aunt, Heloise. So that suggests that um, either the 22nd Phantom's daughter was also called Heloise, or they've just messed the numbers up. I'm not sure exactly what's going there, but he is the 24th Phantom. The show was developed by David J. Corbett, and the executive story editors were Judith and Garfield Reeves Stevens, who are. Um, rather successful science fiction writers in their own right. Uh, the interesting character designs, tall, lanky, skinny, um, designs of the characters, uh, is the work of Peter Chung, who is most famous for Aeon Flux. Um, some fans have said that they feel the character designs, particularly that of the Phantom, is way too skinny. Um, I think, personally, for me, it works because all the other characters are thin, as well, so it's not like the phantom's abnormally skinny within the world of 2040. But apart from that, I think it's a quite interesting design choice. I actually quite like it. Um, I understand that it wouldn't be for everyone, however, it is an interesting uh, take on the characters. So the show was sh- uh, hugely successful um, in terms of critical response. So, film, uh, sorry, TV critics quite enjoyed it. Uh, they all said it was very intelligently written Uh, the action was great and the animation was um, was of a high quality interestingly the uh, show is renowned for its voice direction Um, it was one of the very first shows to cast actual actors, dramatic actors in the roles of the characters so some of the most famous actors that um, That appear in it are Margaret Kidder, who is probably best known as Lois Lane in the Superman movies with Christopher Reeve, who does the voice of Rebecca Madison, the insane uh, CEO, I guess you'd call her, of um, Maximum Industries, the evil corporation that the Phantom fights against in the series. We also have Ron Perlman, who is famous for many, many, many films, such as the Hellboy series. Um, He's in Blade, Pacific Rim, uh, many cult hit films he's in. He does, of course, The Voice of Graft, the cybernetic warrior that is at the back and call of um, Madison. And we also have probably the most famous Mark Hamill, who is a very accomplished voice actor, as well as, of course, playing Luke Skywalker in uh, Star Wars. He's done the voice of the Joker in several animated series and video games. But in Phantom 2040, he does the voice of Dr. Jack, the slightly unhinged uh, cybernetic news reporter. So you have some pretty, pretty famous names working on this series. So... The reason that it is long-lasting, the effects of choosing those actors, is that it gave the series a more dynamic feel. It was um, a lot more serious in tone than a lot of animated series. A lot of animated series, as you probably know, are quite silly, or um, most of them are based on on comedies, even uh, some of the earlier superhero cartoons. However, Batman the Animated Series probably was the one that started the serious take on superhero cartoons, but um, Phantom 2040's voice direction made a lasting impact on the on the animation industry. So the basic story of Phantom 2040, for those who haven't uh, seen the show, it's based around um, environmental disasters that has occurred um, to the city of Metropia. So before the series starts, there was um, resource wars in the early 21st century that absolutely destroyed the fragile eco- ecological balance of the Earth, which um, is, of course, a comment on our current pollution of the Earth. And apparently all wildlife or green life died during those resource wars. However, in um, the city of Metropia, there was a it was a huge train accident. Uh, the train was carrying certain uh, chemicals, and the result of that accident caused various vegetation to mutate. Now, the powers that be of Metropia closed down the train t- tube train stations where that accident took place and called it uh, Section Zero. However, unbeknownst to them, the vegetation that had mutated due to the toxic spillage began to feed on the toxicity. So it adapted and used the toxicity as its food and eventually cleared that toxicity away. And that growth turned into the Ghost Jungle, which becomes the 24th Phantom's headquarters. So when the series starts, Kit Walker Jr. doesn't know about his uh, destiny to become the Phantom. when his father was killed, his Aunt Heloise... Raised Kit uh, outside the life of the the legend of the Phantom. She didn't tell him about it. She wanted him to have a normal life, so he kept his lineage secret. However, once uh, Maximum Inc. starts coming to power, and Rebecca Madison starts plotting to overthrow the government, and of course, eventually the world, guran who we assume is a is a descendant of the current Garan in the comics, uh, contacts Kit and lets him know about his destiny. And of course from there, Kit goes on a journey to discover who he is, why he wasn't told about his destiny to become the Phantom, and why all the secrets that Heloise has kept from him. This is uh, set to a backdrop of political intrigue. Uh, political subterfuge, and of course, a good helping of environmental uh, commentary on the show's behalf. One of the reasons why this show was so successful and so well-received by critics was, as I mentioned before, the intelligent writing of the show. The show isn't just, here's the villain, the Phantom fights the villain, the Phantom wins, that's the end of the episode. This series had interlinking plotlines, it had ongoing plotlines, Things that were mentioned in early episodes wouldn't pay off until uh, a long way through this series. Uh, as I mentioned, there was political int- intrigue and plotting of various characters against other characters. So, while Graft may be uh, the henchman for Rebecca Madison and Maxim Industries, he will help the Phantom out if it serves his own ends. And he's also... Uh, trying to find a way to escape the control Rebecca Madison has on him. And not everything he does is for the betterment of maximum industries. You also have uh, Rebecca's son, Maxwell Madison Jr., who is a bit of a sociopath and for some reason always refers to his cat Baudelaire as his sort of mentor or um, advisor. And Maxwell's also plotting against his mother, trying to further his own ends. Uh, there is Sean One, who is the first person to be born in space, and he's part of the Free Orbital Movement, and he's trying um, to basically get more humans in in the world, show them that Earth should be left behind. So he's something of a of a terrorist, terror terrorist. Sorry, I'll say it properly. Um, You have Mr. Cairo, a mysterious information broker, who only ever appears as a holographic transmission. So we don't know who he is, but he's playing both sides, both the Phantom and Maximum Inc. against each other. You have Dr. Jack, who is a uh, news reporter who skews and distorts the news and events that are happening, happening in and around Metropia. Uh, to the way he wants people to see it. So basically everything the public sees is controlled by Dr. Jack. So you have all these elements that come together and interlink and create this thriving, breathing, living world. It's incredibly well written. The environmental um, side of things, while the show has very strong environmental um, commentary with the ghost jungle and how, you know... The human race and Earth needs uh, jungles and plant life in order to survive. It's never preachy. It gets its point across quite subtly, but it never feels preachy, which is which is a very good thing because that would just put put, um, put viewers off. So, for those who haven't haven't seen it, the series, as I mentioned, only lasted 1996. Um, there was only 35 episodes, so that's roughly a season and a half. Uh, the exact reason for cancellation isn't clear. Um, apparently it was due to um, lack of interest from various commercial TV stations, however that seems strange seeing the series was so popular with critics and with, um, and with uh, audiences so exactly why it was it was cancelled uh we're not sure no one seems terribly sure of that but animated series are cancelled seemingly at the drop of a hat um that start that that continues even till this day uh for example there was a recent st- uh CG animated Batman series called Beware the Batman and it for some reason, although it was successful, seems to have only lasted one series. So yeah, it's it's nothing new that series animated series are just suddenly cancelled. Um, and of course it was also going on in the time of Phantom 204. However, if you did really uh did miss the original airing of the show, you can be safe in the knowledge that The series has been released, or at least the first season has been released, on DVD. Um, There is a post about it on the Chronicle Chamber website. If you just go on and search 2040, you'll find it. Um, You can buy it through Madman Entertainment, Business to Business, or Easy DVD, their websites. Um, It is an Australian release, so it's in Region 4. So if you don't live in Australia, obviously you'll have to make sure your DVD player can play Region 4 DVDs. Uh, and it retails at about $45. But it does include every episode from um, Season 1. No extras, unfortunately, but every episode from Season 1. So apart from uh, apart from the show itself, Phantom 204 inspired a great deal of merchandise. We have uh, action figures and pyjamas and um, toys such as Replicas of Phantom's guns and a crossbow, which I don't think he actually ever used in the show, but they made one. Uh, but possibly the most interesting piece of merchandise, and my personal favorite, is of course the Phantom 2040. Sorry, Phantom 2040 video game. Now, the video game was released on three systems uh, in the late 90s, uh, sorry, mid 90s released on the Sega Mega Drive, or the Sega Genesis, for any of those of you who live in America, uh, the Sega Game Gear, and the Super Nintendo system, or SNES. So the show, uh, sorry, the game was released in 1995, a year after the show started. It roughly follows the um, story of the series. Of course, it's uh, truncated a little bit and compressed to fit into a video game. However, the game is quite long there's many many levels in the game and there's um many variables in the game as well for example at one point uh you have to save professor archer and you're offered a choice whether to give um a certain item you're found to mr cairo who will then in turn give you the information uh letting you know where professor archer can be found but he may use the the item for evil ends, or you can keep the item yourself and try and find Professor Archer on some not quite as reliable information that you have also discovered during the game. So there's those sort of choices that you have to make all throughout the video game, and the choices you make eventually, um, eventually determine how the game ends and if you get one of the good or bad endings. So the the games are basically platform shooters you play of course as the Phantom, who has a huge range of different, weapon, uh, different weapons that you can choose from, um, regular gun and inductance rope that we see in the series, uh, you can also choose to just use your fists and feet for that old school Phantom charm, but there are also heaps of other weapons such as homing missiles, uh, special explosive bullets, um, hand grenades all that sort of thing so it's it's very much an action-oriented game but the story is quite strong now something interesting um, back in the day and even today when games are released they tend to but even more specifically during the nineties in the 16-bit era they, they created different versions of games for different uh, regions so the American region or NTSC region would get a slightly different version of the game than we would here in Australia or for PAL ter- territories. The reason for this is the different signals that um, televisions used and the different uh, frames per minute that TVs used in those areas. So games that um, were released in America had to be programmed slightly different to games released in Australia to compensate for that. Now, for some reason, and I've not been able to find why, the NTSC version of Phantom 2040 on the Mega Drive um, has a full story. You have um, you have uh, short animations that help progress the story along. You have characters talking to one another. It's really cool, all the um, stuff that's going on. However, in the PAL or Australian version, you got a bit gypped, and instead of having the full story, we only get a summarized version of it via dot points. Now, in the NTSC version, there is an option to have summarized story, but in the Australian or PAL version, that option doesn't exist. We get only the summarized story, and the full or summarized story option is replaced by um, a music op- music test for some reason on the. Um, on the PAL version for the Mega Drive. Now as far as I know there is no difference uh, between the PAL and NTSC versions on the Super Nintendo Um, someone please correct me if if that's wrong but as far as I know there is no difference however there are small differences between the Sega and the Nintendo version. Um, For example the 1UP icons in the two versions are different in the Sega version, they are icons that say 1-Up. In the Nintendo version, they are little icons of the Phantom's face. Um, also, when going into levels on the SNES version, sometimes you are given um, uh, objectives that you need to complete, such as finding the extensions in the inductance Rope. whereas on the Mega Drive in either version, these aren't given as clearly. However, they are hinted towards in the uh, cutscenes. Now, the um, the best way to play uh, Phantom Tower 4 is uh, well either on the SNES because it has a six-button controller, and um, on the Mega Drive if you need to buy yourself, or if you have a six-button controller. The reason for this is that the Phantom can have two weapons, any two weapons, equipped at any time. On the regular three button controller for the mega drive button a can be assigned to your weapon button B is jump and button C is the secondary weapon. now most of the time you'll want to have your inductance rope and a weapon activated because you'll use your inductance rope quite a lot to get around the world. However with the three button seeking controller you if you want to use any other weapon, um, besides the inductance rope and whatever your regular one is, say the regular gun, you have to go into the menu screen and select that weapon, go out and so forth. However, with the six button controller, the inductance rope is automatically assigned to the X button, um, which of course means you have the inductance rope always available plus two weapons of your choice. I usually use the gun and the Phantom's punch ability. Now on the SNES this of course isn't an option because it has four buttons anyway. Uh oh, isn't an issue sorry because that has four buttons anyway. Now the um Sega Game Gear version is complete well not completely different but very different to the SNES and Mega Drive version obviously because the Game Gear is only a 8-bit console whereas the SNES and Mega Drive are 16-bit. Um However, it's probably the worst version of the game. It is very hard. The difficulty level has been cranked up all the way for some reason. Uh, Also, the graphics are very dull and uninspired. Um, They're quite boring to look at. The storyline isn't as intricate. It's pretty much just, um, you know, beginning to end story. There's none of the choices you have to make. There's also not as many areas to explore or as many enemies to fight. So, if you were going to pick any uh, version of the game to buy, go for either the NTSC Mega Drive version or the SNES version. Now, for those who uh, like to collect Phantom memorabilia, if you don't have a, fan, a copy of Phantom 4 you in your collection, or if you'd like to get one, this information may be um, interesting to you. Uh, There's a gaming website called RetroCollect.com who has a rarity guide um, for each of its games that it lists on the site. Now, Phantom 204 is considered an uncommon game on the Sega Mega Drive and rare on the Sega Game Gear, which is interesting. Um, The reason for this is probably that the game, unfortunately, came out rather close to the end of the console's lifespan, which means... One, there probably wasn't as many of the ga- uh, copies of the game printed. Uh, gamers could have already moved on to the next console, which is um, Sega Saturn or the PlayStation, so they weren't buying um, the game, and unsold copies were sent back to the manufacturer. As for the Game Gear, the reason it's considered rare is it was an even older console at the time than the Mega Drive. So, even less copies were probably made for it. And as it wasn't a very popular game, um, the reviews panned it. Again, many probably didn't sell. Now, Retro Collect doesn't have um, a rarity guide for the SNES, but it's probably safe to assume that it would be similar to the uncommon rarity of the Mega Drive because both consoles' lifespans were fairly similar. Um, There was also a special edition of the game released only in Australia and what has become known as Sega's big box releases so the Mega Drive version um, big box releases were special releases in funny this a big box that contained both the game and special um, gifts so in in this uh, in the case of Phantom 2040 the big box uh, copy included obviously the game but it also con- included a key ring of the Phantom, the Lee Fork Phantom, the regular Phantom, not the Phantom 4 Phantom. Phantom, um, a key ring of the Phantom running, and the Australian Glow Zone Phantom stickers. Now, the big box copy is extremely rare, very, very hard to find, and when it does come up on eBay or various other retro gaming sites, it always goes... For a few hundred dollars the reason for this is one it was only ever released in australia because as we all know um the phantom is probably the most popular in australia of all the countries in the world um and i'm not sure what Sega's um Sega's popularity was like in scandinavian countries um so if the console wasn't as popular there they may not, that may be why it was not released, it could have also been an initiative made by um, Sega Australia, Sega had an Australian chain um, or branch of their company at that time, it may have been an initiative by them because of course they would have known how popular the character is here Um, but yes, it's very rare because one, it was only ever released in Australia two, the big box is literally just a cardboard box, it's not thick cardboard, it wasn't sturdy cardboard like some um, PC games are it was just sort of a regular cardboard box so it was very easy uh, easily damaged I actually had the copy of this game but during um, its lifespan I can't remember exactly what happened but something happened and the box got destroyed so I had to throw it out um, which is a huge shame because I would love it for my collection now um, so yes the box the big box was easily destroyed or damaged or lost Um, the items that came with it were obviously taken out, the stickers were used, you know, the key ring was put onto, well, someone's keys. So to find a complete copy is extremely hard and extremely rare and usually very, very expensive. But it is worth hunting down if you can find one. Okay, so, um, apart from, apart from the toys and the video game. There was also a four issue uh, Phantom 2040 comic series which was printed by Marvel. Now, unfortunately, the, um, the comics themselves aren't terribly good. They roughly, very roughly, follow the, the story of the series again. Uh, the cover art is beautiful. I absolutely adore the cover art, especially for the first two issues. Um, yes, the cover art is magnificent. Uh, the writer is a guy by the name of Peter Quinones, who I can't say I've ever read anything else by him or, um, or have even heard of anything else being by him. So. Yes, he's probably not what you would call a grade A writer. However, the most interesting thing about the four-issue miniseries, Fenotero miniseries, is that it was drawn, penciled, by the late, great, hugely famous in comic circles, Steve Ditko. Now, if you don't know who Steve Ditko is, he is one of the founding artists of the modern Marvel. He was a co-creator of Amazing Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, uh, The Question over at DC, Hawk and Dove over at DC. Um, He basically cemented the Marvel look, uh, the the look that Marvel's characters became famous for in the 60s. That was pretty much all down to him. He was uh, responsible for Strange Tales, which of course led to Doctor Strange. Um, Tales of Suspense, Tales to Astonish who worked quite a lot with uh, Stan Lee. Um, Steve Ditko and Jack Kirby were the two main and most famous uh, Marvel artists. And they were the two artists that if Stan Lee or Marvel wanted to make a book popular, wanted it to be um, interesting to readers, wanted it to be released with a bang, they would get Steve Ditko to do the art. So... In fact, one of the most famous, one of the most recognized, and most highly thought of artists in the whole of history, uh, comics history worked on the Phantom 2040 miniseries, which uh, is interesting because it would have been rather close to the end of his career. Um, and sadly, he, his work isn't quite quite up to the. The quality that he's usually thought of for um, it was penciled in in 1995, so it was released around the same time as the video game, and of course a year after the um, year after the the series started. Unfortunately, the series isn't great. It's nice to have as a um, as a collection piece and a bit of an interesting piece for your collection, but it isn't what you would call a wonderful series okay so what else can we can we talk about in regards to fan so far um the music created in the series was another uh, high point for the series the opening theme in particular is quite memorable which you would have heard at the very start of this episode um and then the incidental music as well it was so always a mix of sort of a, this jungle drum vibe and but still had that modernness sound for a, a a series set in the future. Um, it's quite fitting. It's interesting uh, that they kept with that jungle theme. I think instead of trying to make that um, even more modern with modern music. Now th- we spoke spoke a little bit about the. Um, the design of the of the series earlier. However, I would like to point you to a man called Tom Schillinger. Now, he is the lead designer of the series, and um, he has a website which you can go to. Uh, the website is 3dconceptualdesigner.blogspot.com.au. d So he's an Australian designer who has who designed a huge amount of stuff. Uh, for Phantom 2040, and hopefully, we'll be able to have an interview with him um, at some point in the future, whether it be on the podcast or um, or just fire an interview on the site. But if you go to his website, uh, 3D Conceptual and scroll down, you'll find the 2040 tag. Click on that, and you'll be able to see just hundreds and hundreds of posts of um, designs that has done for the show there's some wonderful designs of the ghost jungle um an absolutely beautiful uh promotional package that he's put a photo up here i would love to have this in my collection it's uh looks like a small uh fold out card that is folds out into three sections um with a little bit of information about the show it's the images of the phantom um in the Ghost Jungle. And it's got an embossed logo of the Phantom 204 logo on there as well. It is absolutely beautiful. I'll um, try and get a photo of this up on the site uh, as well So you guys to have a look at because it's, it's a lovely piece of work. So there's that. Um, there's some very interesting looks at various character clothing. So there's one post in particular looking at the Phantom's power gloves, the gauntlets that he wears. Um, Tom's original designs had them looking a lot more organic with curved lines, um, a lot more intricate detail, overlapping sections, uh, and of course it eventually simplified to, to what we now know, um, but yeah, the, the original designs were a lot different to, to how it eventually turned out, and I actually quite prefer some of the original designs, but they might have been hard to animate. Uh, there's various uh, versions of the 204 logo and the skull motif. Um, the Phantom's belt was originally thought to look a lot different. Um, the the text, too, has changed somewhat. It's very interesting going through this and seeing all the changes they've made. Uh, there's some quite interesting sketches uh... of the 26 phantom and showing the variance in um, costume so it's, it looks even more futuristic than the one we know uh... there's variations of again of the belt uh... how the gauntons look and how the costume and boots would fit um, we also have various concept sketches of weapons uh... color color tests and so on. It's it's really interesting to see what goes on behind the scenes in a show like this and just how much work is involved in creating, creating this show. Once you see how much work is involved with this thing it's it's really sad to, to think that it only lasted for one and a half seasons. So, Phantom 2040, probably the best animated series involving the Phantom, although the only other one is Defenders of the Earth, which has its own special charm, but Phantom for is definitely, um, definitely a brilliant series. If you haven't watched it yet, try and track down that DVD and check it out. There are some uh, clips of it on YouTube as well. Um, as far as I know, they they're still up there. Um, I haven't checked for a while; they could be taken down um, by now. But there uh, was for a long time some up there. Um, if you go on to the website, we have a full article about the Phantom 2040 video game as well. You'll be able to find that under articles and then under talking drums. Uh, the video game is absolutely brilliant. If you have a Mega Drive or a Super Nintendo still plugged in and ready to go at your house, I highly recommend buying it. If you don't have one of those systems, you can still play the game via emulation on your computer. Um, on your Android or I device, um, and also on uh, PSP and I think the Nintendo 3DS. But of course all of that will involve setting up some software, so um, you might want to do your own research, but the easiest, easiest option is to do it via the computer. Okay, well I think that's probably it for Phantom Two O Four O. If anyone else has any thoughts on Phantom 204, if you liked the series, if you didn't like the series, or what you liked, uh, what you thought of the series, please uh, write in, let us know. You can email us at, at chroniclechamber at gmail.com, or leave comments on the site, and of course our Facebook page. Now, next episode, hopefully Jermaine will be back, um, and we'll probably talk about some New comics. Um, we're still discussing how to tackle uh, legendary. Whether we're going to do two by two issues and review them, or do maybe three issues and then review them, or maybe wait for the whole thing. We're still just. Dis- oh, excuse me, hiccup. We're still deciding about that. Uh, the last episode, uh, the last issue. Sorry, of King's Watch has just come out, so we will be reviewing those final two issue soon. Um, it won't be for another month roughly because I only get a shipment from my comic store once a month just to shave on shipping costs and so forth. So that will be a little bit. Um, but we are planning on some other special episodes with some other guests from the Phantom community. So I hope you enjoyed this short look at Phantom 2040. I know this has only been a short episode but um, the next one will hopefully be a bit longer because we'll have two of us here discussing uh, our subject and not just me rambling on. So thanks everyone for listening. I hope you didn't mind my ramblings too much and remember to check out Phantom 204 if you haven't already. Okay guys, thanks for listening to this episode of X-Band. I hope you join us again for the next one. Cheers!